tonight I'm going to be taking time to, I know next week we're going to do a visitor's thing where we're going to share the vision, but I'm going to, in a different way, talk about why we exist as a church tonight. I'm going to take a night to look at, here's who we are, here's where we've come to, here's where we're going, here's our ethos. So my hope is that this will envision, strengthen, and give you clarity on exactly who we are as a church and where we're going and some of the things we're doing and some of the, I've got some exciting announcements to make about different things we're involved with and there's, there's different little film clips and things we're we'll showing. So hopefully tonight will be an interesting night. Uh, and, you know, what would it be like, I guess the question is, what would it be like if Jesus Christ walked into Edinburgh? What would he say to the precious people in this wonderful city? You know, what would he say to people who are religious? What would he say to people who are not religious? What would he say to people who are atheists? What would he say to people who are, you know, agnostic? What would he, how would he interact with people? Well, to kind of sum up real quick, that's exactly how we should be as a church. So let's pray, and then we'll turn to some things in the Bible. Father, thank you so much that you're among us just now. Thank you, God, you're here. We've worshipped you, we've sung to you, and I thank you you're here. God, you know every single person in this auditorium, you know their lives. Some are really close to you. Others are distant from you. But Father, I believe you have a plan for them. And I pray, God, that tonight, in all that's going to happen afterwards, as we look at the baptisms that are going to be happening as well, that God, tonight, you would speak to us, you inspire us, you captivate our hearts. And God, would you do a work in us and do a work through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, I want to introduce you to an idea that will kind of sum up what we're about as a church, and it's the idea of a triangle. Let me, let me do a wee doodle for you here, um, see if this can come up behind me. So we've got a sketchbook there on, should be coming any second, whoa, hit refresh, here comes the sketchbook. Right, so a triangle, uh, so let's say the first bit here of the triangle, we're going to call that up. Up. Why up? Well, Jesus was all about this. Jesus had a connection with the Father. As a church, we want to have a connection with the Father. That's up. Say up. Okay. Next bit of the triangle is in. Say in. And that speaks about how Jesus interacted with disciples. And in a similar way, church is about that. We are disciples, believers who follow Christ. We're disciples, we're on a journey together, and we've got an interaction with us, and that we'd call that in. And the third part of the triangle, I'm going to call out. And that's about them. It's about the precious people in our city, your neighbors, your friends and family, your work colleagues, your student buddies, people you know and love who actually have no connection with God and maybe aren't interested or maybe are seeking. Okay, that's out. And Jesus was the same. Jesus was totally about them, totally loved them, came for them, interacted constantly with them, went to their parties, hung out with them, demonstrated tender love and concern for them. So let's say up, in, out. Let's do it again. Up. In fact, get your fingers out. Right, ready? Don't poke your neighbor in the eye. Right, ready? Say up, in, out. Okay. Wow, that's pretty cool. You all look like you're line dancing or something. <clears throat> so that sums up what we're as a church. Okay, so let's, let's go into a couple of Bible verses here. And, let's, and I want you to look with me for this concept, up and out. So first of all, let's look at Jesus. Let's look at how did up and out look in Jesus' life. So here's a couple of snapshots from Jesus. Mark chapter 1, verse 29 to 35. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon and Andrew, who were they? They were Jesus' disciples. So Jesus is now going to the home of two disciples. What's that? That's in. Say in. Okay, so Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and immediately they told Jesus about her. Simon said, no, just leave her. It's my mother-in-law. But no, Jesus insisted. No. So he went to her and took her by the hand and helped her up. And the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed, and the whole town was gathered at the door. I mean, can you imagine that? The whole town gathered at the door. Wow, I'd love to see the film clip of these things. Thousands of people 
all sorts of ailments and issues and Jesus Christ was healing them and delivering them. It's just amazing. He still does this. It says they gathered at the door uh, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So what's going on here, folks, up in or out? This is out. This is Jesus interacting with precious people in the community, loving people who maybe were distant from God. And then it says, um, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, in, in Scotland, that's kind of 10 in the morning, right through to about 12 when it starts getting dark again, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. What's that? That's up. So here we see in Jesus' life, just one little snapshot in the life of Jesus, we see all three going on, up and out. So let's look at another one. This is now in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 12 to 18. One of those days, Jesus went up on the mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. What's that? It's up. When the morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles, Simon, whose name Peter. His brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called a zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became traitor. So this is Jesus' disciples. He spent years with them. What's that? It's in. And then it says, he went down with them and stood in the level place. A large crowd of his disciples and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases. What's that? That's out. So here we see in Jesus' life, and to be honest, these are just two examples of verses, but there are dozens, dozens and dozens of verses. In fact, the three years of Jesus' ministry recorded by the eyewitnesses in the Gospels just show that Jesus was constantly interacting in these three levels. He was constantly connecting with the Father. He was constantly connecting with his disciples, and he was constantly connecting with those who were the outsiders, people who he loved so dearly, and many people who even the religious people of his day rejected, he embraced and loved. He was about up, in, out. Now, Jesus said something. He said in John 13, 15, I have given you an example to follow. So here's the argument. The argument is this, that Jesus Christ has set us an example. That as a church, that as his people, we're to look like him. That our pattern is to look like the patterns that were in Jesus' life. See, Jesus wasn't just about up and in, but stuff the world. So therefore, we shouldn't be about that. Some churches are, to be honest. They just so love God, and they so love each other, but they ignore the world. That's not like Jesus. And, you know, and Jesus wasn't just about the disciples in the world, but he had a kind of shallow connection with the Father. And some churches are like that. It's all about the socializing in the church, and they're kind of very community active, but really they're pretty lightweight when it comes to the Father, not much connection. And, and it wasn't also the other, where all about the world and all about the Father, but really no connection with believers. It wasn't like Jesus. So the balance, perfect balance, we see in the life of Jesus and that same pattern should exist in our church. So let's now look. Jesus has died on the cross for our sins. He's risen again on the third day. He's now commissioned the disciples to go and make disciples. And what do they do? They start a church in this, in this city, Jerusalem. And the church is birthed. And within a day, it grows to 3,000 people. And now in Acts chapter 2, we see this little snapshot of what that church looked like and how it existed and its patterns. And we see exactly the same pattern. So let's now look at Acts chapter 2. Acts 2, and this is going to be a quiz on this verse. I want you to look out for words that you will associate with up, in and out. Look at the words it uses, because I'll do you a quiz in a second, all right? Say, ooh. Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. What's that? In. That's the people who have become believers they were devoted to fellowship, connection with believers. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. What's that? It's up. That's to do with, wow, we've got a covenant with God and we're praying to him. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. What's that? Well, it's partly it, 
out because I'm sure some of the miracles were happening in the city, but also it's partly in, so believers were getting healed as well. All the believers were together. Oh, listen to this, folks. And they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had needs. That's radical community. That doesn't happen often in Edinburgh. That's people saying, you know, you have a need. I'm personally going to take responsibility for that need. I'm going to underwrite the debt. That's radical living. But that kind of living changes and shakes cities. And it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. What's going on there? It's in. It's in. Praising God. What's that? Up. And enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What's that? That's out. So here we see this pattern that was in the life of Jesus in perfect balance. We see the exact same pattern now in the church. So why does Destiny Edinburgh, what what do we exist? What's our patterns? How should we live as a church? We should be like that. We should be like that. That's our aspiration. Right, so let's go back. Here comes the quiz. Uh, So, um, where's my notes? Let's go back to the picture. What I want you to do now is, each of the words, I want you to throw out words that you saw in those verses there with each of the points in the triangle. So, in fact, yeah, let's, let's start it up. What words did you see in those verses that relate to up? Just throw them out. Huh? Pray, yeah. Pray. Okay, what else? I don't have a clue what any of you are saying. Praise, thank you. All right, what else? The Father. Okay, what else? Just in the Acts verses, what have we got? Breaking bread bread okay all right so that, and then what about what about in what, what what words stand out in the verses about in in that in that early church on acts what were what were the words that stood out there disciples fellowship what else huh teaching yep yeah any others Okay, let's, let's, uh, didn't, you said something, that's cool. Uh, so, uh, I'm sure it's really good. Outs, what about outs? What, what was going on there? Give me a few words. Saved. Lord adds to the number of those who are being saved. All right, what else? Huh? Share. All right. Miracles. Wow. Okay, so this is the picture, guys. We have this picture of up, in, out. We see the collection of activities that circulate around it. That's how our church should look. That's the description. That's what we're about. There's one other word we need to add in here. And it's this word here. And it's such an important word. It's this word. Gospel. Because this is what pulls it all together. You see, this thing called the gospel. And it's a word that literally means good news. The gospel is the good news about this. This is the good news. God, the creator of everything. Instead of rejecting a human race that had rejected him entered into this human race 2,000 years ago, and he died a bloody and barbaric death on a cross in your place and in my place. He took the punishment that we deserved. He died in our place so that you and I can be completely and utterly forgiven and accepted by God for all eternity. And I believe that, and that truth has changed me. It's totally changed me. It's called the gospel. Now, what's so good about the gospel? Well, the gospel is the means by which we can have an up. It's because of the gospel that I can now connect with the Father. Only because of the gospel. I can't connect with the Father because I'm so good. I can't connect with the Father by, you know, outweighing my car- bad karma. I, ca- I can't connect with the Father. Only the way I can connect with the Father is on the basis of a huge price that was paid for me on the cross. And I'm so grateful. And I, I came alive. I got saved when I was 15. I came alive. It was like I'd been dead and I came alive. And I thought I was alive, but then I came alive. I got to know God. And for many of you, that's your story. And for those who are getting baptized, that's your story. And tonight, if you don't know God, why live another day without a connection with God? Why not tonight make that connection live with God? He's here. He totally is. And he loves you more than you could ever know. Embrace him. Jesus who died for you and rose again is alive. He wants to be part of your life. So the gospel's the reason we can have an up 
And the gospel's the reason and the basis on which we can have an in. It's because of the gospel that I love you. No other reason I would love you. Right? Honestly, it's because of the gospel. Why? God's come into my life. He's come into your life as well. I mean, you're a motley crew. You're so different. You're so diverse. So weird. So many different backgrounds and age groups. Usually, rich people hang out with rich people. And poor people hang out with poor people. And Africans hang out with Africans. And Asians hang out with Asians. And Scottish people just... You know, they just hate everyone. And that's how it goes usually, right? And, and people from different cultures don't hang out with each other. And different age groups don't hang out with the old, hang out with old, and young hang out with young. But when we've got the gospel in common, all of a sudden, an old person's my brother. And someone from Asia could be my sister. Because through the gospel, we're one family. God's our dad's. And also the gospel is what causes us to have an out. It's like, wow, if you've been given a free gift, if you've been given the biggest free gift possible in in this side of eternity, that God has saved you through that incredible death from the cross and resurrection. He saved you. You've got this free gift. If you were given a free gift and you knew it was available for everyone, what would you do? The biggest and the best free gift. It was available to everyone. What would you do with it? Well, if you didn't love them, you wouldn't tell them. But if you loved them, you'd want to tell everyone you could about that free gift. So out is inevitable because of the gospel. So that's the, that's the kind of picture that I want to paint in your minds as we go on this journey tonight. And I want to take those three points up, in, out. And I want to, that's going to be the framework that we're going to look at tonight. And I want to give you an update on where we're at as a church on that journey. Okay, so first of all, up. And this is to do with our delighting in God. Okay, well, prayer. Jesus, look, look, the verses said it in Mark 1.35. While it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary, solitary place where he prayed. Luke 6.12. Jesus went out on a mountainside to pray and he spent the night in prayer to God. So here we see Jesus. What does he do? He takes himself aside from the busyness aside from the crowds, gets up early or stays up all night. And just that time with the Father, and he prays. So it's a, you know, he chose a certain time to wake up and pray. And he also chose a certain location. It was away from the crowds. He took himself aside and connected with the Father. I tell you, some of you need to do that. That gives you perspective. That connection is your lifeline. So how... Let me just tell you how I pray. This is, this is the pattern that I've got in my life. I typically get up early. I get up, I've got two kids, an 11 and a nine-year-olds. They get up at seven. I know after that point, you know, don't try pray. Uh, so I have to beat them up. I, so I get up as early as I can and I pray. And I love it. It's not, a, it's not a religious duty. I just, I can't wait. I love it. I love spending time in his presence. I love it. It's a delight. It's a bit harder this time of year when it's dark. But what I do is I don't, I don't pray in my living room. That would be called sleeping. Right, so I have to get out in the fresh air, in the snow, and I think my neighbors must think, who's that weirdo? Because he's got like, three jackets on, and I have my pajamas underneath my jeans and my, and my scarf on. I'm all wrapped up, but I just love just, I, I go walk uh, into the darkness and pray to the Father. I love it. And here's the pattern, I, here's how I pray. Uh, now, though you don't need to get up early in the morning. Uh, only, only if you're really spiritual, you do that. I mean, Jesus and me did that. And I understand you might think a bit of pressure from Jesus and the pastor getting up early and praying. You, you might be a, someone of weaker faith who has to pray at night. No problem. That's fine. We can go with that. God might still hear your prayers, and that's okay. But really do what works well with you. Do what works with I'm a morning person, so it works well with me. Angie, my wife's totally not. So just do what works well with you. Go with the flow. So here's how I pray. I start with him. When I talk to the Father, I, I, don't, I don't start with my interests. And I, stop, I start with him. Jesus said, when you pray, pray, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So start there. Start with, God, you're amazing. Start your prayer time like that. That puts everything else in perspective. Before you get on to me, 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 start with him. Say, God, you're amazing. I love you. You're great. You're incredible. You're the creator. And start by worshiping. And then move on to his interests. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it would be done in heaven. Talk about the stuff that God's interested in. And even let it get you here. I mean, let it get you here to the point where 
you're so moved about the stuff that moves him that you're praying with an intensity and a passion. Sometimes I'm in tears about the stuff that is on his mind. So I'm praying for the city. I love this city. I'm praying for you folks. I'm praying for people I know who don't know him. Breaks my heart. Praying for situations like healing situations or challenges people are facing. Praying and saying, Father, let your kingdom come in that situation. I'm praying that. And then you get on to you. You get on to your needs. So Jesus said, uh, give us a stay, our daily bread, our provision. And then you say, forgive us our sins and lead us not into temptation. So you're saying, God, provide and forgive and protect. And you're, you're going through those kind of prayers. And typically that's where most people start. They get onto that first before they get onto him. Start with him though. And then after you've prayed all that, I end with, just like Jesus said, you know, for yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory. What's that? It's saying, God, I'm going to bookend this time of prayer with you. You're great. And at the end of it, I'm going to say, you, you're great. And also, you're not just praising God at the end of your prayers. You're also declaring faith. You're saying, I've just prayed a whole lot of prayers there, God. Some of them are big prayers. I want to end by saying, yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. You can do all those things I've prayed about. You're a big God, and you can do those things. And it's a declaration of you're a great God and anything is possible with you. So that's, that's how I kind of go on a journey of prayer. And sometimes I pray by myself. Other times I pray, we meet quite often as an eldership, early morning Friday here in the building. Or sometimes we'll pray, sometimes I'll pray with my wife every day, praying with my kids as well. Pray for them, lay hands on them, ask God's blessing. Just pray. Let prayer just be part of your life. See, when you're out with your mates and you're just you're just chatting in the middle of it if something comes up you say well listen let's pray about that unless you meet Richard Dawkins you know but for the, if, if you've got believer friends just say well let's pray about that or like something comes up in a conversation and you think that's a challenge we need God's wisdom and direction well let's pray about that just, just let prayer just be natural let it be a natural part of your interactions spontaneous sincere genuine authentic God-centered praying but then also collective prayer is important. Individual prayer is good, but collective prayer is important. You see that when we moved into the book of Acts. Remember that? They gathered to pray. There was collective prayer. That's powerful. You can do that. Do that often, Destiny Church. We have intercession team that meets weekly in both campuses. But you know what? You don't need to go to an official gathering. Why don't you just grab a mate and say, listen, we need to pray. Can we pray? Can we meet for a few early mornings and just go through a few things and pray? Or gather as a small group and pray. But let prayer be part of our heartbeat as a church. Why? Because we need him. He wants to do great things in our city. And he's going to accomplish those great things as we pray and see his kingdom come. Second thing we go on. So it's up and then it's in. And this is about being transformed in community. As a church, we believe in developing and helping people grow into lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. We want to help people become be disciples. <clears throat> and we see Jesus did in, in a particular way. He spent time with the three, John, Peter, James. He spent time with the 12, 12 apostles. Another point in the gospels, you see, he spent, hung out with 72, a group of 72. But there's other times where he spoke on the mountainside to the thousands. For him, it was all in. It was about helping believers grow and develop and be disciples and be equipped in their lives. You also see the early church, they were devoted to in. Look at the verse again, Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and prayer. They were passionate about the in. They weren't isolated, they believed in community. How did they gather? Well, there's two ways. It says in Acts 2.46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke to bre bread together in their homes. Here we see there was big gatherings and small gatherings. They met in the temple courts. In Solomon's portico, right there in Temple Mount in Jerusalem, it was several acres of scale. It's lots of football pitches of scale. Literally tens of thousands of people could have gathered easily in that forum. The first church in Jerusalem, it's estimated, grew to between 18 to 32,000 people, which is vast, considering the population of Jerusalem at the time was 60,000 people. And they gathered in the Temple Mount area and they worshipped together on big scale. 
and they grew together as disciples on a big scale gathering, but also they had small scale gatherings. They gathered in small groups and homes and, and all that. Let me just make a point here that's important. As I was pondering these things this week, a statement came into my head along the lines of culture is primary, structure or form is secondary. Let me explain that. You know, many people get all caught up with the form of church. Mm, it should look like this. Oh, you shouldn't all be in big buildings. You should be in homes. Or some people say, no, no, church is this environment, this building environment. Or you shouldn't buy buildings. You should rent little venues. And you know, you should do church in cafes. Or, right? Everyone's so caught up with forms. And, oh, I don't like that style of worship. Or I don't like that way of doing things. Or I don't like this tradition or that tradition. Oh, we shouldn't sing songs like that. We should sing. All form, all shallow, all secondary. And some of them sound so deep when they're talking about it. But they're shallow. It's just form. It's secondary. It's not the main thing. What's primary is culture. That's primary. You see, in the book of Acts and in the Gospels, you don't see Jesus or the apostles at any one point prescribing a particular form. Never once. You see lots of different forms, different sizes and gatherings, different places. For them, they never once prescribed it. Why? Because there's no right or wrong answer to it. But what you see constantly is a culture, a culture, an ethos that was communicated in the way Jesus interacted with the disciples and the way the disciples interacted in the early church. An ethos, a culture. Culture is primary, form is secondary. I would go as far to say as you could have the wrong form, you could have a rubbish structure, and yet have the right culture, and your church would fly. Equally, you could have the perfect form. In fact, you've seen some church along the road who's done it just so great, or you read a book about it, and you've made your church look exactly like that. But you get the wrong culture, it'll fail. Culture is so important. You know that. I mean, if you're a dad, and as a dad, if all you did as a dad was focus in on, oh, we need the right house, we need the right number of rooms, we need the right views, we need to be in the right location in the city, you know, you and I know that's not the most important thing he should be focusing on. You and I know that it's far more important how he interacts with his kids and that his kids honor him and that he creates an environment where they grow as a family and with his generosity and the simplicity and there's love and they understand how to connect with peers and all you know all that is so much more important than where you live and what the house looks like so culture culture so what should our culture be like let me talk to you about small groups small groups it's where culture happens in our church. You know, you, you can connect in a certain level in this environment, but the reality is, if you're looking for real close friendships, you need more than just a gathering on a Sunday. Small groups is where it's at for us as a church. Let me give, me, give me a few minutes of your time to persuade you four reasons. I'm going to give you four reasons why I think you should get connected with a small group. Let me argue a case with you and, uh, and open your heart to the possibility of being connected in a small group first reason why you should connect with a small group is fellowship. Say fellowship. Now fellowship, many people misunderstand the word fellowship. Many people think the word fellowship is just the Christian version of socializing. It's not. It, fellowship is so much more than the Christian version of socializing. Fellowship is everything to do with sharing God in common. It's about you've got a connection with God. I've got a connection with God, then we have the deepest and greatest thing in common. That's fellowship. It's like, let me tell you about sunflowers. It's like sunflowers. You see, sunflowers, if you've watched a field of sunflowers, when the sun rises early in the morning, and the sunflower, what they do is, if you watch, the sunflower heads turn towards the sun, and as the sun rises, the sunflower heads follow the course of the sun through the day. And it's incredible. Even at the point when the sun goes down, the sunflower heads continue to follow the course of the sun, even though they can't see it. Doo -doo -doo -doo. It's kind of weird. Weird sunflowers. And then they rotate, and they're ready for the next day. It's incredible, isn't it? It's incredible that sunflowers do that. You know, if you've stood incredibly still for a whole day in a sunflower field, you would have seen this. Okay. But this is like us. What happens is, is we move in unison 
by not being focused on each other, but being f- by focused on him. And as we're focused on him, then we move in unison. And we may not have anything else in common. You might be a different age to me. You might come from a different culture to me. But I don't care if we don't have anything else in common. If we've got him in common, then we have the biggest and greatest thing in common. That's fellowship. And many people gather in small groups and you chat about the weather, and you chat about how's your week been, and you chat about are you doing all right these days, and you think you're having fellowship. That's shallow. That's not fellowship. And it's nice to be nice, but that's just the beginning. How about asking, what's God done in your life this week? Well, let me show you something I read in the Bible this week. God spoke to me about you. Let me encourage you with this verse. I was praying for you this week. How about that? How about going a little bit deeper in your interactions and not being so shallow? How about at the end of the service when we've kind of, you know, ended the service in five hours' time and you all go for tea and coffee, right? How about then, instead of just saying, how are you doing? You all right? You had a nice week? You hear the, what was the Celtic score, by the way? I, was it? Okay. So imagine, you're, 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 imagine instead of all that interaction, how about actually saying, how are you doing in the Lord's? Where's your faith at? Do you know what you did in my life this week? How about some of those interactions at the end? Right, if you're freaked out by that, just run real quick because everyone else will try and interact with you like that at the end. So fellowship, so important. When's the last time you went deep with someone in this church and actually asked them about what's God saying to you? What's God doing in your life? Sammy, uh, who's one of our elders based in Leith, um, Winnie, Winifred Frud, many of you know her, brilliant lady, amazing lady. She unfortunately has got shingles just now and she's kind of laid low for several weeks because of that. If you know her, go visit her. She's a wonderful lady and always a great encouragement and support to many. What's great is that she's based in the Leith campus usually and lots of folks are visiting her from her small group and loving her. Sammy went to see her last week and Sammy said, Peter, it was really cool. I went in the house, she said, hi Winnie, how are you doing? And get caught up. One of the first things she does is she hands him a Bible and say, Sammy, Tell me what God's been saying to you. I love that. She's a hardcore lady. Yeah, you're a dude, Winnie. She really is. I just love that. Just wow, right in there, Winnie. You know, there's a bit of richness there, a bit of depth there. She's wanting not just to connect with, oh, how's the weather? Oh, it's been snowy. And, you know, it's, uh, actually, go deeper. It says in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves. You see, as Christians, you think, well, we've got to have really important, non, uh, absolutely non-negotiable things like Bible reading and prayer. Well, how about a non-negotiable of fellowship? Not just socializing, but fellowshipping. Make it non-negotiable in your life. So I persuade you, I encourage you, can't just do that in this gathering but get into a small group or or start a small group and go deeper second thing is encouragement hebrews 10 25 not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching you know it breaks my heart as a pastor of a church i believe in the church i really believe it's the hope of the world i believe the church and we see it. It brings transformation in a city. Not just this church, but the churches in this city. This city needs God's hand upon his churches making a difference. And when people in our gatherings decide, you know what? I no longer want to go to church. I'll be a Christian. I'm not going to walk away from God. I'm just not going to go to church anymore. Think, Come on. What on earth are you playing at? Don't be disconnected. And we hear it says in Hebrews, not giving up the gathering of yourselves together. And I was Some people are in the habit of just walking away and doing their independent thing. It's really unbiblical. It's not safe spiritually. But notice what it says. It says, don't be like those who give up gathering, but instead, you'd think it would say, gather. But it doesn't. It says, not giving up the gathering of yourselves together, but, what's the opposite? Encouraging one another. Notice that? In other words, it's not saying, don't not gather, but gather. It's, it's actually going further. That's like saying, don't be in reverse, be in neutral. What it's actually saying is, don't not gather, but instead, encourage. In other words, get off the fence. 
be in gear, engage positively with people. So it's not the opposite of not being at church isn't attending a service, but rather it's the way you engage with people in that service. So when's the last time you encouraged someone, not just in life, nice haircut, right? <laughs> but actually saying something deeper. Like the way you treated that person was phenomenal. Or the way I heard you pray the other day, I love your passion. Or I heard that thing you did for that person who was in need. Or do you know what? God give me this Bible verse for you. The third thing, so that small group is paramount for that kind of stuff. And if you're in a small group or if you're a small group leader, shape your culture to be like that, not just to be shallow and basic. Third thing is accountability. Sanctification is a higher goal than socializing. God wants to change us. God wants to transform us. He wants to help us become more like Jesus and accomplish all the great things he's got for us. And that's called sanctification. And in the Bible, that change process, sanctification, typically isn't something that happens in an isolated person. It typically happens more often in community. It says in Proverbs chapters 27, verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It's the interacting with other people around you shapes you more than you would be transformed just by sitting in your room thinking about God and reading your Bible. It's that. That changes you. I just think about my marriage. I think, see, when me and Angie met, man, wow, what a sanctification took place in her life. She just changed so much being around me. It's all these issues she had. Just started nailing it. And, oh, man, she's just so much better person being around me. It's incredible. What a change. And maybe in some ways I've changed as well. <laughs> you better believe it. No, I tell you, I was a dweeb. I was, I was totally messed up. And then I got a wife and I realized, I suddenly realized that I was more messed up than I ever, ever dreamt. <laughs> and she helped me change. And I'm a different man. 15 years on this year, I'm a different man. And that took place. You see, God loved me so much, he put her in my life. Praise, praise you, Lord. And she's impacted me positively and transformed me, and God's used her. And you know what? You can get married to have that experience, but also you can be in a small group. You can be in a small group. You can be in a small group around people who are different to you, and God will use that environment to change you. And sometimes that environment's a challenging environment, but that's all right. Don't run from it. Let God do his surgery. Let God transform you. And you know, it's, it's, it's like the, it, part of the sanctification comes from accountability. Does anyone know your stuff? If they don't, you're dangerous. Does anyone know your stuff? Anyone know your struggle? You're carrying an addiction that no one knows of. And I know the fear is if I tell anyone my addiction, I'll be rejected. I know that's the fear. But that fear holds you back from freedom. You need to find people who understand grace. And you need to get people alongside you who can say, listen, do you know what? This is the stuff in my life. And you don't tell everyone. Just tell one or two. And small groups should be the environment where that kind of stuff can happen. No skeletons in your closet. I remember Andrew Owen, who oversees our network of churches. I was in a meeting with Andrew in Glasgow. And there's a bunch of ministry church leaders around in the room and senior pastors in the room. And Andrew said to everyone, he just said, just so you all know, if you ever see anything in my life or my marriage that gives you cause for concern, then I'm giving you permission. Please come and talk to me. I thought, wow. There was a humility there. He gave us permission. I felt empowered. And actually, a few months after that, there is something I saw. There's something I saw about a working practice. Not, nothing to do with his character, just something, a working practice. And I approached him and said, Andrew, I've just noticed that certain things are done this way, and I don't think that's safe for you. And Andrew said, I hadn't thought of that before. Thank you. And he totally changed in that area. I remember when I was 19, being part of Destiny Church in Glasgow, getting to know Andrew. And I remember saying to Andrew, Andrew, listen, do you know what? I don't want to stay where I'm at in life. I want to grow. I want to become all that God wants me to be. I'm giving you permission. If you see stuff that I'm, I'm just messing around with and you, you need to feel you need to pull me up, I'm giving you permission to do that. Have you given anyone that permission in your life? 
other areas in your life. I have to tell you, there is stuff in my life I'm deeply ashamed of. But Andrew Owen knows everything, everything. My wife knows everything. And that's a really good place to be in. It's a really good place to be in. I have accountability. What about you? Small groups provide that place. Ephesians 4, 5, 15, speaking the truth in love, we grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Speaking the truth in love. You know, we can tell people the truth, but we need to say it in love. And that's a small group environment. Perfect. And then fourthly, mutual care. For us, this is the main way we care for people in this church, is through small groups. If you're in a small group, there's hundreds of people in this church, you're in a small group, we will do everything we can to support you. And it's not just that we support you, it's mutual support. It's people in small group caring for each other. 1 Corinthians 12, there should be no division in the body. Its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I see that in Winnie just now. There she is. She's got shingles. She can't make it to church. She can't make it to small group. And we're praying for a miracle for healing. And that may come. But either way, in the meantime, she's getting a ton of support. People are gathering, rallying around her, loving her. That's the environment you need to be in. And it's not just that, oh, I need that. Oh, yeah, I need that. No, no, you need to give that as well. That you get to be like Jesus by offering that kind of love to someone else. In a community where you're saying, actually, I'm going to take responsibility for someone else. That's radical. That's great. So find a small group. How do you find a small group in Destiny? Information cards in your seats. Put your name down. Tick the tick box about, I'd like to find a small group and hand it in the information point, and we'll get in touch with you, and we'll recommend a small group near you, or if you'd like a small group with people like you in it, then just t- say what type of small group you're looking for. Or, do you know what, Pete? I work shifts. I don't have time for a small group. My shift patterns don't allow. Okay, how about this? How about you start a small group? How about you start a small group for people just like you who can't make it to the regular small group times? Permission given. You start a small group. As long as like you're not an axe murderer or something like that, you can, you can start a small group. And what you need to do then is, here's Graham Williamson's contact information. No, that's Galatians. So Graham Williamson's contact information, if you want to start a small group, email Graham Williamson saying, I would like to start a small group. And then Graham Williamson will, Graham Williamson will make sure you, you have an opportunity to be trained and that we will provide you with a mentor so that you're not out there by yourself. You've got someone helping you. And then you go for it. Gather people. I chatted to one mum with kids in this church. And she was saying, I couldn't make it to small group because it's kids' bedtime. And she said, a bump, I got to know a whole lot of other mums in the church who were in exactly the same situation. So do you know what we've done, Pierre? We started a small group. Was that all right? And I said, yeah, no problem. Just let Graham know. And, and then Graham will make sure there's someone there to give them support. That's what I'm saying. You can do that. Okay, let me, because this is an update moment, let me just give you an update on a few other things to do within. Let me give you a finance update where things have been at financially in the church. 2009, 2010, um, we had bought this building in 2008 and went from having one building to having two buildings. And it was a big step for us in so many ways, but one way was financially. So in 2009, 2010, just a year or so after that, we found we were having a constant backlog in our, in our income. Our income was lower than our outgoings. Sorry, that's right, yeah. Our outgoings were higher than our income. And it meant that every month there was a backlog. Every month we were finding it hard to pay salaries on time for the staff. And every month we were finding it hard to pay the bills. Coming into the end of 2010, 2011, we took up a special offering to help us clear the backlog and to clear some of the debt to do with the building and to come into a place of kind of strength. And we put a reserve in place and we did some building works and we employed a youth worker for a year. And so the folks in the church, many of you included, we gave £76,000 at that moment at the end of 2010, 2011. And that did all that. It cleared the backlog. It put reserves in place in our accounts. And it brought us into a much more robust place. We did some things around the buildings as well. That was great. And then what we did was we reined in our spending. This is through 2011. We reined in our spending. But it was tough. Because even with reining in our spending, there was still 
more going out than it was coming in. So it started eating away at the reserve we had created. <clears throat> so at the beginning of 2012, we put further changes in place where we reduced the staffing. <clears throat> Went down from 14 to about 11 and 12 staff, full-time staff. And that, that wasn't by sacking people. That was by people, actually, it happened pretty organically. People felt it was time to move on. We just didn't replace them. And there was a few juggling of people's hours and so on. And what's been great is in the last year, 2012, uh, what's been going out has been coming in and vice versa. And we actually generated an £11,000 surplus last year, which we've added back into the reserve because we'd eroded that slightly the year before. So that's good news. So we're in a very healthy place. And over and above that, you folks generously dug deep and we gave £25,000 in November to the Indian Orphanage Appeal. So give yourselves a round of applause. That's outstanding. Outstanding. We have about £500,000 comes in every year. That's, that's just to exist as a church. Let me just quickly, Solomon from India sent me a clip showing what the giving here has enabled them to do. The, the way they build over there, they're building a three-story orphanage that will house 100 kids and be a training center for church leaders. We have 502 churches in India just now uh, and, and fast expansion going on. Uh, every time they get money, they do some more work. So our money was able to tra- trigger the next wave of work. I'm hoping to be there in, in November to help out with their pastor's conference. So I'll take lots of photos and show you because it will progress much further by then as well. So thank you so much. You're giving. It's amazing how much further our money can go in other parts of the world yeah, where, the, where the pound is, is, is worth a lot more. So well done. Uh, also an update on, ter- sorry, just before I move on from the finance things, thank you so much for generously giving. Keep reviewing what you're giving. Keep praying about what you're giving. If you don't give by standing order, consider giving by standing order. That consistently helps. That consistency helps the church. You may see the offering basket come by me and I never put something in. You might think, he's a stingy guy. But it's just me and Andrew who set up standing orders. That's how, that's how we've chosen to give because we, we know sometimes we don't have cash in us. So in fact, most of the time we don't have cash in us. So by giving by standing order, it helps the consistency. So consider doing that. Okay, also to announce about uh, leadership, uh, people moving into leadership roles, Vishal. Where's Vishal? Vishal's in the cafe. Is, is Bishop Vishal? Uh, oh, there he's there. There's Vishal. Uh, Vishal is being put in place as a deacon, uh, and that's going to happen at the next first Sunday event. That's next Sunday evening. Uh, we're going to be live streaming from Glasgow. I'll be through there. We'll be praying over Vishal. It'll be on the big screen here. It'll be church as normal. It just won't be a live preach. It'll be a live link to Glasgow where you'll hear Andrew and we'll see the opportunity for Vishal to be prayed over along with a few other people we're setting in place. A deacon basically carries practical responsibilities around the church. So we're so looking forward to Vishal helping carrying some of the loads specifically here in Gorgie. So that's really exciting. Okay, so that moves, moves on now to out. So we've talked about up. We talked about in. Now, listen, let me take you on to talk about up. And I realize tonight's a little bit longer than usual because we need to give you an update and cover a lot more things. But this is really exciting now what we're going to talk about out. God is calling us to make a difference in our world, to change the world around us. You'll remember we did a thing in September called the Leith Relaunch. And in the Leith Relaunch, we went from one service then to two services. We started an evening service. The evening service started with 30 people. Uh, last week it was 50 people, so it's grown. And uh, people who wouldn't have come to the morning service down there are now connecting with that evening service. People are coming to faith almost every week in that evening service. Also, we uh, relaunched the Celebrate Recovery course. Give us a wave, Dennis. How's that going in Leith? How many folks are connecting down there? Brilliant. So this is a 12-step recovery pro- program helping people with different addictions. And it runs here in Gorga, but these guys pioneered it over in Leith as well, which is so exciting. English classes kicked off in September down in Leith. We're hoping that will also launch in Gorgie. There was about um, 30 people on, that, on the courses. Uh, someone getting baptized tonight, I believe, from, from the English classes who came to the church from the English classes. So exciting. Marshall, Marshall, here you are. I don't know where you were. So I came to the church. Uh, to learn English and, and found Jesus. <laughs> That's very good. It's better than English. It's, it's much better than English. And we've had many people, some folks from Saudi Arabia. There was a guy there from Saudi Arabia here in Graham this morning over in Leith uh, from a Muslim background connecting to the church from 
the English classes. There's about six folks have connected the church from the English classes. So well done, Lynn and team. And the plan is to launch that here in Gorgie. That's, and then church planting. This year, we'd hoped we'd start one church. We want to start a church, at least one church every year at this stage. God willing, our prayer is that, that you know, in this generation, we'd want to start hundreds of churches around the world from here in Edinburgh. Why not? This year, it's gone from one to be four churches this year. So that's so exciting. So here's some of the churches that are coming up. Owen, do you want to put the list up on the screen? So we've got church in Falkirk. Uh, Ian and Sandra, just, just take a minute. Tell us, tell us the dream. James, you got the microphone there. Pass the microphone down to Ian and Sandra. Hi, everybody. It's a real privilege to be part of Destiny, first of all. Sandra and I have only been on the scene, so to speak, about eight months, but it's been like 80 years in our life, really. And we just thank God for the privilege of of serving him through destiny. And uh, approximately just over a year ago in Falkirk, a little small group was working away through the Stirling Destiny Church and in Stirling, Edinburgh, Glasgow got together. And in September of, of, of 2012, we commenced the Carthy Church. And that's been going for about five months now. And uh, two weeks today, God willing, we, we're starting a Sunday church. Yeah. Uh, we really thank God for that. Uh, we want to be... A contemporary, connecting, credible Christian community uh, in Falkirk. You know, in Falkirk, which is the center of the universe, by the way, um, (laughs) in Falkirk, there are 10 Christian churches within five minutes' walk of the town center. But we're planting another one because we believe that is of God. And he's, he's already beginning to show some amazing things. We've seen people coming back to God in recent days. And our prayer is not just for the lost, because there's thousands in, in the area, but also for the prodigals, one of which is our daughter. And I believe that God is going to do some amazing things in these years ahead, in us and through us, for his glory. Yay. So I know that Steve and Hazel are going to get alongside this that's happening in Falkirk and, and plug in there. If you're interested in being connected with that, there's the contact information. Also, uh, this year, uh, we're, we're kicking off or just literally as we speak, Gombe, Nigeria, which is a Muslim Christian area up in northeastern Nigeria. Amen and Comfort, who actually today, ironically, also should have been up here becoming members. They couldn't make it. They're in Nigeria starting a church. So sorry. Uh, honestly, it's so funny. They were in the list of people to become members today. So they didn't even get to be members. Believe that? So they're starting a church uh, over in... Um, did you know all of them who became members, incidentally, you all have to start churches? Did we not tell you that? I'm so sorry. That's, that's one of the conditions. So they're over there, and uh, they, they're, they're getting the ball rolling. They've got a huge vision to connect with um, the unchurched population there in Gombe, Nigeria. And if, again, if you want more information, email Amin. And really, I mean, I'm not joking. If, if you feel called to be part of any of these, permission given. If you feel stirred to do that, then why don't you make contact and do that? You only live once going to make a difference. Don't, not, don't, don't live for comfort. Live for a great cause, for the honor of God and for the benefit of human beings. And then there's Hong Kong. James and Jess, stand up, give us a wave. Woo! James and Jess, I think that's, we honor you in Hong Kongese. Uh, these guys are off to Hong Kong uh, to start Destiny over there in September. And already uh, there's one other in this room and a couple of others uh, in the church are are looking at relocating with them. And it's a great step they're taking. They've got a heart not just for Hong Kong, but for Asia and for church planting in various parts of Asia. So it's just going to be a launch pad from there into various places. Great people, love them to bits. We're going to miss them hugely. But if you're interested in that, there's the contact information. You talk to them personally or get in touch and have a look at that. And then finally, uh, we're also in the process of launching a church in Wrocław in Poland. So Chris and Sarah, who were a key couple here in in the church, uh, have already relocated. In fact, here's a quick film clip. This is how, they've been there two weeks now. Here's how it's been going. Hi, everyone. Really warm welcome from uh, from very cold Wrocław in Poland. Um, We moved here about three weeks ago. Uh, and just to let you know, we are still settling in. It's taking us a bit longer because of a cold winter. It's not easy to move around. But we are settling in. Uh, we are managing to meet new people every week, which is great because it gives us a chance to 
uh, hopefully share the gospel with them in the next few weeks. I've started a new job as well three weeks ago and I've met people at work, completely new people. It's a great bunch of, of, of people. It's, it's, it's great to be here and to work with them and to share what's what God is putting on our hearts as well. So obviously there is lots of different, different uh, reactions of people, but that's great. I think it's great and lots of new challenges as well. Uh, we, we shared with some of you that we were looking for a, for a flat to rent and the flat we were looking to rent, uh, the size of the flat for the price we could pay was equal to a miracle. And we just want to thank you all for your prayers and support because we managed to fund this kind of flat. Uh, friends of ours said that it's, it's impossible that we managed to find a flat for that price. Uh, so we are moving in on Tuesday. Um, so yeah, settling in, moving in. Um, thank you for all your yeah. emails, encouraging emails and all your prayers. It means a lot to us and we can feel the difference as well, like with the flood. Still keep us in your prayers and in your thoughts. And also, uh, we are expecting a second baby so you can pray for the well-being of the whole family. Bye! Bye! So that's what we're up to, and, and that's, that's this year. Uh, we're, one of the things I do is I do church planting training. We do three modules in the year. They're coming up. The dates are 1st, 2nd March, 13th, 14th, sorry, 12th, 13th April, 24th, 25th May. If you're interested in coming on that, if you feel the sense of God's calling to church planting, maybe over the next few years, then you come on that course. Also, if you feel stirred to go with any of these teams to start a church, it would be worthwhile you coming on the course to pay yourself for what church planting will look like. Um, also, my role is changing slightly, not dramatically, but just a little bit more officially. I'm getting more involved with giving oversight to the new churches. So Andrew set up an apostolic team to provide oversight to the churches. There's just so many churches now. So I'm part of that now, and uh, I meet with Andrew on a monthly basis. So as well as being very much involved, and I will be long-term involved locally, this will be, I'll be the lead pastor here. This is where I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Me and Andrew have made that commitment. Uh, we're also, I'm dedicated to make a difference in the whole world. And so I'll be taking on responsibility for Destiny Dublin, giving them oversight, and also the oversight to the, a few other churches, and also the churches we're starting from here in Edinburgh, giving support uh, as the churches get off the ground. So you can pray for me in that. Okay, how does this relate to you? It says in Acts 2, 46 and 47, every day they continue to meet in temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. So we've got up and we've got in. And it says, enjoying the favor of all the people. That's out, touching the city. And the Lord added to the number daily those being saved. God has a job for you. Jesus said in Matthew 28, go and make disciples. That's your job. Jesus' job, as Jesus said in Matthew 16, he said, I will build my church. You don't do his job and he won't do your job. You make disciples. He'll build his church. You don't try to build a church. He does that. And equally, he doesn't make disciples. He used to do that, but now he's given that to you. You make disciples. He'll build his church. So multiply everything. Every believer, tell your friends. See what God does. Every small group, start another small group. Every church, Start more churches. Every leader, raise up more leaders. Every preacher, raise up other preachers. Multiply everything. Let's go viral. Let's change the city. That's why we're here. We exist. I, we will have failed if we have not made a significant impact in Edinburgh and around the world in, the, in our lifetimes. God is with us. He longs for this city. And he wants to do big scale things through ordinary dweebs like us who are just saying, God, we're willing to be used by you in this great city. Gordon McIntosh prophesied at the last first Sunday event, and the word went along these lines. His word was, in 2013, 2013 will be known in heaven as the year of the harvest of souls. The word went on to say, the Holy Spirit is increasing what he's doing in the lives of those who are not yet connected with God. It's not going to necessarily be as it has been. You can raise your expectation 
and have a greater expectation for God to do something great through you because he is increasing his activity in the lives of those who don't know God. So you can expect different results. You can expect different things to happen when you share. I believe it's going to be a great and significant year for us as a church. We're believing and making eternal difference for the glory of an incredible God who is awesome and worthy of all our praise. So, if you don't know him, why don't you just give your life to him? Why don't you trust him? I mean, give him everything. Don't hold anything back. Become a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. If he's God, he deserves nothing less than your everything. So think about that. And if you're ready to make that decision, then tonight you do that. If you're a follower of Jesus, then don't be a half-hearted follower of Jesus. If you're going to do this thing, let's really do it. And that doesn't necessarily mean for everyone planting a church, but it does mean don't be superficial. It does mean be devoted to things like fellowship and connection in local church. Don't be on the fence. Maybe God's going to stir you to do church plan. Or maybe God will stir you to go out and do a church plan. Or maybe God will stir you to start a new small group. But we're together on a journey and we want to be like Jesus Christ who had balance up, in, out. And we want that to be looking like our lives as individuals and us as a collective people. All right, let's pray.